So, I'm really annoyed by Spotify's algorithms. I'm sure they're not very good. I mean, they're better than than, uh, Amazon's, but still. And I mean, normally I appreciate them exposing me to new things. But while researching our current topic, Uh I got really annoyed. Okay. Because when you look up Janis Joplin, Uh and then they're like, other artists, like other artists that people listen to, you Uh know, in addition to this one. And it's all like The Doors and Jimi Hendrix and Fleetwood Mac. And I get that. Yeah. I get it. But that's not what you should be listening to if you're into Janis Joplin. You should be listening to like Lead Belly and Bessie Smith and uh, Sister Rosetta Tharp and yeah, all these other classic blues, mm-hmm. not The Doors. But first that's of what all, she's Jim- lumped into because I know. of the times. I know, but like, and it's so funny because none of that is her wheelhouse either. Yeah. Like, she does get lumped into psychedelic stuff. But, but she that was way more blues. Way more blues. And she wasn't into psychedelic stuff. Yeah. So it's just makes me a little mad, Spotify. <laughs> Spotify. It's not just Spotify, though. It's everybody. Hey, everybody. <laughs> everybody. Everybody, you're all <laughs> fucking this up. This is, you're all doing this so wrong. Yeah. And like, I have to admit that I have been doing it wrong as well. Yeah, we all have, honestly. Yeah. I'm really hoping after this episode, people are going to be like, oh, maybe I should look up like some old blues. Oh, well, yeah, you should look up some old female singers oh my God. that were involved in the beginning of blues because oh they're God. fucking amazing. They're amazing. Yeah. And I, yeah. I feel like I'm missing out. I don't know if I have the blues because I have the blues and like listening to the blues has felt cathartic because I have the blues or if I have the blues because I've been listening to the blues. No. See, you would have the blues if you were listening to emo. Oh. Listening to the blues helps you like feel better about stuff. That that was the point of the blues was to like get all that shit out and sing it and get it out so you don't feel like shit. And you're like, oh, man, we all feel this way, right? Yeah. Life's just total garbage for everybody. But then white people stole it. so <laughs> turned it into <laughs> and emo? turned it into... Yeah, eventually. Oh, my God. They turned it into emo. Is emo just modern white people blues? Yeah, because it's just white people whining about how sad they are and how their parents just don't understand them. Oh, my God. I fucking hate white people. <laughs> we ruin everything. We ruin everything. Yeah. I'm going to leave now. <laughs> Welcome to Rock Candy. (laughs) Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Oh, no. We are not talking about Tiger King, although we've seen it and we know you've seen it. And we can't stop talking about it. Nobody can. Because quarantine. Because quarantine. Yes. We are your hosts. I'm Maggie. And I'm Ashley. Look, we did all of it. We did all of it under five (laughs) minutes. I'm so proud of ourselves this week. Yeah, we fucked that up. We fucked that up last week. This week, (laughs) we got it together. We're tight, ready to go. We're we're a tight butthole this week. You know what? This week brought it back to that tight, tight butthole. butthole. Yeah. No longer are we a loosey goosey butthole. <laughs> no more. No more just motorboating around. We're we're tight. <laughs> I don't I don't want a motorboat. <laughs> My butthole. That seems wrong on a lot of levels. Yeah, you should see a doctor if your butthole is motorboating. You know, I feel like anybody who was like, oh, wow, someone's talking about Janice Joplin, I'll listen to this, and then they just tune in like, well, I don't like like, this podcast. Nope. They immediately started talking about buttholes. Yeah, well, welcome welcome to Rock Candy. Yeah, we weren't lying. Welcome. You you just caught us on a day when we weren't talking about balls, so. Well, here we are. And here we are. Talking about (laughs) balls. 
Might as well. Two right? in one day. It's a special week. Oh my god, two for one special. <laughs> Balls and buttholes. Wow. <laughs> yep. This is why no one listens to us. Okay. Cool. 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 Anyway, yes. This week we are talking about the one and only Janis Joplin. An episode that has been in the making for like three months. Seriously, though. It's been a while. Like, I keep being like, I'm going to do it. And then, like, I've got the book and I wanted time to read the book properly. And then, like, there's a lot. Yeah. And I'm actually disappointed in myself because there's a lot that I'm not going to talk about tonight. But there's so much that I want to talk about. Well, maybe we can do a part tour someday. Part tour. Part tutor. (laughs) Part tutor. There we go. I like it. But yes, we're talking about Janis Joplin closing out Women's History Month with, mm-hmm. I mean, a real OG of the scene. Yeah. Like she she was, a, you know, as far as mainstream goes anyway. And gone too soon. Wow. Her story. Like, I knew she died. Right? Yeah. She's part of the 27 Club. Yep. I knew she was dead. But, like, I read her story, and I'm like, this is way sadder than I thought I was going to feel. Yeah. I don't remember the specifics. I remember learning about it a long time ago, but promptly forgetting it. Like, I forget everything. And <laughs> Memory's stupid. But I do remember the feeling of being like, wow, this shit is kind of tragic. No, her story is very tragic. Yeah. Like, I know we covered Jimi Hendrix and Kurt Cobain, and uh-huh. those were sad. Yeah. But I almost don't feel like they were tragic once you learned the deets. Yeah. Janice is, you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. But I, but after reading her story and watching the docs, I'm like, yo, I really like Janice Joplin a lot. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of respect for her and I feel a kindred spiritness with her. Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully this story will make you all feel the same. Mm-hmm. Before I dive into the tale here, might as well talk about our beer. Mm-hmm. We are drinking this week Cosmic Disco, a hazy pale ale. From Duclaw. Pale Ale. Pale Ale. One of our favorite breweries ever. Oh my god, Duclaw can do no wrong because I know we bitch about IPAs a lot. That's actually good. This is really good. I had no real problems drinking it, even though I gave the last of it to you. But that's because I had a really good sour I wanted to get into. <laughs> also, like, your tum-tum isn't doing great. and your My tum-tum, tum-tum is fucking raging today. It so. does not like IPAs. No. Like, I can definitely handle an IPA physically. Mentally, maybe not always. Yeah. Not a bad one, anyway. But no, that's it. I will highly suggest that to anyone, especially if you're an IPA drinker, and especially if you're not an IPA drinker. I would suggest it, especially if you're not an IPA Mm. drinker, because it it doesn't taste like straight pine cone. Exactly. (laughs) It's not straight pine salt, brah. Sorry, brah. You're just drinking regular, regular hops. If your blood type is not IPA, then it's a good one to drink. Yes. (laughs) Yep. Suppose with that, we shall dive in however i'm gonna cite my sources oh yes do that do you want some receipts i would like your receipts i've got receipts now all right all right show me your receipts here are my receipts (laughs) thank you you're welcome (laughs) thanks fred schneider (laughs) anytime ashley (laughs) so i did watch a documentary called little girl blue came out not too too long ago a couple years ago Uh uh-huh uh all about janice's life really good it actually really is a great companion piece to the book I read called Janice, Her Life in Music by Holly George Warren. And it just come out. That Yeah, that October, November. It was it was only in the fall it came out. Yeah. So it's a very recent book. So it's got as much up to date info on Janice that you could ever ask for. 
and I really like this book. Like I said, I don't go into as much detail as I'd like to. Yeah. This book that was is a, great. That was a thick book. That was a thick book. It was a very thick book. But so. she gives you everything from her parents to posthumous. Wow. So, yeah. Good for her. It's a great book. Uh, and I want to give an extra special shout out to our sister podcast, Deeper Digs and Rock, hosted by Christian. Mm-hmm. In December, he interviewed Holly George Warren. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep, and they talked about the book. It is a fantastic interview. They have a great discussion about Janice. She gives you a lot of the little, like, tidbits of the deets that are in the book, mm-hmm. but it's enough to make you be like, yeah, but like, But okay. I want to watch it. Yeah, I, I, you want to read it. I want to read it. Yeah, you totally want to read it more. She seems like a lovely person. Christian is really insightful, as always. Deeper Digs and Rock is a great podcast. I highly suggest that I listen to them as well for the Jimi Hendrix episode. Yes. Christian is great when it comes to, I mean, pretty much any sorts of music, but he has a lot of really good episodes on classic rock. So yeah. go ahead and listen to them and listen to that episode. It's fantastic. And she's probably talks about stuff that I don't even get to because, again, there's a lot. So I'm trying to toe the line between the documentary, which kind of briefly goes through everything, mm-hmm. and then the book, which is hella detailed everything. Yeah. So it's crazy to me that people can actually find out that much information. She got on a to person. talk to Janice's whole family, crazy. friends. Uh, Janice actually was very good at just uh, she uh, scrapbooked a lot, so uh-huh. she kept a lot of letters. She kept a lot that of is adorable newspaper clippings. Yeah, she was really proud of herself, and so when she was doing good, especially when she was first coming up uh-huh. and she had the time, she was scrapbooking a lot. That's awesome. Yeah, so there's. Her life is very well preserved, and that helps a lot. Yeah, that and does. Her family is very happy to talk about her story, and yeah, you know, because they're proud of the work she did. And how else are you going to find out about her childhood and how she grew up, except to interview her family exactly. who were there, yeah, and knew everything, and they still have her letters that she was writing them. Yeah, so her sister and brother did a very good job to kind of keep up her. Her memory. Uh, her memory. Thank yeah. you. That's the word. What's the <laughs> word I'm looking for? <laughs> I don't remember. Memory. <laughs> Woof. As I hold a beer next to me. I wonder why I can't remember things. We digress. Let's get in to the tale. Janice Joplin was undoubtedly a real firecracker of a woman. When she set herself to making music her life goal, no one could stop her from breaking down all the doors in her way. Not her parents, the critics, or even the men that run the music biz. This woman took influence from the babes of the blues that came before her and turned it into a sound that hadn't really been heard before, especially not by a balls-to-the-walls female like Janice. And then her short-lived music career would go on to influence so many who came after her. However, under that double-may-care, fun-loving exterior was someone who had been through a lot of emotional pain and felt a missing piece in her life that she could never seem to find. She unfortunately began to search in all the wrong places, which led her down a path to her inevitable early end. We all know the name Janice, and most of us know her music. I mean, at least a little. But she has lived on as a legend, larger than life, with little of her origins, like, really known. So today I'd like to paint a more detailed picture of who Janice was, an honest, down-to-earth misfit who just loved music and people. 
Janice was born on January 19th, 1943. My sister's birthday. Happy birthday, Ashley's sister. Except she hadn't been born yet for another for 40 years. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> to her parents, Dorothy and Seth, unsurprisingly a rambunctious child, she was always looking for her parents' attention and they would always encourage her curiosity and encourage her to be a free thinker. I feel like this all checks out so far. Yeah, no, 100%. From her parents, Janice gained two of her strongest attributes. Firstly was music. From her mother, growing up, Dorothy found music to be a healing source for her and participated in church choir, musicals, and even solo events. And though she considered trying to make a career out of it, singing in a professional setting just never really happened. Mm -hmm. It's like the 30s. It's probably not going to happen. What she gained from her father was a thoughtful mind. Seth was a very well-read person and was willing to question things that didn't make sense to him. One big no-no about Seth, he was an atheist. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good for you, Seth. Right? Because in a time where the Judeo-Christian God rules everyone's lives, mm-hmm. to not follow him was a definitive blasphemy. Wait, so she sh- she sang in church, but he was an atheist? Yeah. His, they... they had a very good relationship. Like, Dorothy and Seth found that they're... They had common ground. Yeah, they had common ground, and where they didn't, it almost complemented each other. Because Dorothy wasn't close-minded about it. that's like? <laughs> <laughs> they found their differences to just, like, well, that's just it. It's our differences. But I don't think, like, Seth's atheism was horribly staunch. It couldn't be, because yeah. it's, you know, the 30s and 40s. And Dorothy, I think, was pretty open-minded, like... He was like, if you believe in God, that's fine. Go do your thing. Just don't make me go to yeah. church. And she didn't. Oh, well, good so for there, them. There you go. Actually, he, I mean, he had to be a closet atheist, of course. So <laughs> he probably went to church. And hated and every hated... fucking second hey, of it. Hey, have you ever been an atheist and had to go to church? Yup. Oh, you know, it's not fun. Being an atheist and going to church. <laughs> Bingo. Seth didn't mind Janice's tomboy ways. And not only did he color outside of the lines, but well... He always wanted a boy, so this was kind of the next best thing. Janice roughhoused and wore pants. Overall, wasn't big into conforming to the, like, womanly ways. Mm -hmm. They didn't care. They were like, whatever. When Janice was six, though, siblings began to enter the picture, and eventually she would have a little sister and a little brother. This made her have to work even harder for her parents' attention, something that everyone in the family said she craved. All the time. She needed her parents. Like... The two younger siblings didn't need it half as much as Janice did. Well, if that doesn't say entertainer, I don't know what does. Seriously, though. Seeing as how smart and well-read she was, Janice was obviously a good student. And by the time she was a preteen, she fell into the arts. She loved to express herself through painting and drawing, using that as a way to let her imagination run wild. She also got into a youth theater group where she met fellow weirdos that she would one day recognize as her true kin. Janice would listen to the radio along with the rest of her family, but when they finally got a TV, she was able to see Elvis perform on the Ed Sullivan Show. Ooh, Elvis. Ooh, Elvis. Ooh-wee. Yup. Seeing someone perform their music was so different to just listening to it, and she found herself captivated by the king's presence. And by his gyrating hips. Oh, no. Those hips are moving a lot. Those hips don't lie. They don't. Actually, I think they 100% lie to every woman they meet. Yeah. yeah. He, no. Elvis's hips, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, his yeah. Li- yeah. His hips lie. I think most of Elvis lies. <laughs> his Elvis hips 
and his lips lie. Ooh. <laughs> I rhyme something. Ooh. You're a poet. <laughs> I suppose this is a good segue to discuss something that will really set Janice apart from the people of her hometown of Port Arthur, Texas. Was it an Adam and Eve commercial? <laughs> Not yet. Not yet, okay. But, but buckle up, that's coming, kids. <laughs> oh, it's coming hard. Loads of stuff coming at you. <laughs> so Janice hears Elvis's song, Hound Dog. She loves it. Somehow, in her search for just records and vinyls to own, she comes across the original version by Big Mama Thornton. Which is... A woman of color. A woman of color. Mm -hmm. And so much better. Oh, my God. If you could just take a hot second and go look up her version of Hound Dog. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be like, Elvis, you're a scrub. It's like, oh, Elvis, you bastardized it. Cool. That's fun. You really really white-breaded that, huh? Yep. Some real milk toast music. He wonder-breaded the shit out of that song. He took the hot dog and wrapped it in white bread. Didn't oh, even use a bun. That's exactly that. what he did to Hound Dog. It's the most disappo- wow, that is actually the most disappointing thing you can do to a hot dog. Ra- that was my childhood in a nutshell. <laughs> oh my god, you had a very disappointing childhood. We just did we Why would you buy hot dog buns when you can just use bread? Cuz they're way cuz hot dog buns are way better than I eating with bread. I am fully aware that the buns are better than the bread. <laughs> Tell this to my mother. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I guess I'm going to have to give me the phone. I'm going to call your mom. (laughs) Hello, Ashley's mother. I mean, and just like us, Janice ended up preferring this version with soulful vocals that could shake you to the core. I agree with Janice. Yeah, she's right. Some may have viewed this as odd because, well, racism. Yeah. That was a thing. Yeah, guys, this was only the 50s. Yep. Port Arthur was a segregated community. Oh, I'm sure it was. Yeah. But Janice didn't agree with this way of thinking. As far as she was concerned, a person is a person regardless of their color. This view was quite unpopular and ended up giving the girl a lot of grief with the other kids in her school. She was frequently called N-word lover. Cool. Because that's what it was like back then, guys. I fucking hate people. I hate white people. Guys, we're the fucking worst. <laughs> When Janice first entered high school, she tried her best to fit in. You know, wear the right clothes, follow the hairstyles, be with the other girls, and, you know, just do her homework and be a good student. She thought that was going to be enough. Uh But it never really worked for her. Eventually, she fell into a group of guys who were also really into art and music and books. They were a couple years ahead of her, but the girl fell right into their shenanigans. Oh my god, interesting older boys. Yeah, interesting older boys. But she didn't even look at it like, oh my god, they're interesting older boys. She's like, hey, you're reading books and listening to music? That sounds great. Because where she went to school was like, Texas football yeah. and home-cooked meals? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know Texas. I don't know. Maybe, were they B-fots? Boys from other schools. They were not beefuns. They were from her school. So, okay. Older boys from her school. So, older op- boys from my school? Yeah. Opfums. 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 Through this new group of friends, she was introduced to music that would wrap around her heart and influence Janice's sound to come. They would listen to records by Odetta, Bessie Smith, and Lead Belly. 
and she would find herself attempting to imitate their voices when she sang, just because that's just sometimes what you do. Yeah. I'm very much like that, where I tried, at least growing up, I tried to sound like the people singing on the radio. Yeah. Because when you're young, you don't really know how else to sing but do that. I mean, when I was young, I thought I sounded like Jewel when I sang. I don't. <laughs> you might have. I don't. I mean. I never did. I'm sure you're better. <laughs> no. No, I think you are. Did you know that Jewel is from Alaska and she lived in her van? Oh, my God. <laughs> did you know that? I No, tell me more about Jewel. Don't ever tell me more about Jewel. I never want to know anymore. <laughs> Sometimes she and the boys would pile up in a car and go to shows together to check out some sweet blues and seedy bars. Janice's passion was still visual art, but music was quickly trying to steal it. And while she was having a lot of fun, finally letting go of the social constructs that she tried to adhere to, when it came to her daily life, it made things very difficult. On the daily, Janice was bullied, especially by the jocks. Cool. Yup. As she was a non-racist, free-thinking beatnik of a woman who hated sports, she became enemy number one. (laughs) You're not a racist. And you don't like football? You don't like football? And you aren't fucking Grand Wizard of the KKK? Fuck you! I'm gonna punch you in the face! Wait, can women be the Grand Wizard? I don't know. I don't think they can. Highly doubtful. I'm assuming they're racist and sexist. They can be the wife of the Grand Wizard. Yeah. I think that's the best you can achieve when you're a woman, a racist woman in the South. Cool. That's fun. (laughs) They would gang up against her, calling her names like Freak and Beatweeds. Hmm? Beatweeds. That sounds fun, though. Oh, no. It's because she was a beatnik and they assumed that she had crazy pubes. I want to be a beatweed. All right. Actually, yeah. Let's take that and turn that into a positive term. Yeah. Fuck you, jocks. Yeah, I'm a beat weed. What of it? Yeah. I'm beating all the weeds. Wait a minute. (laughs) I'll come up with something. Anyway, her school life became total hell. Uh Uh-huh. And here's a fun side note that really pissed me off. And I just, I don't have to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it. But it's one of those things that pisses you off so much that you have to put it in your notes. Because I I know some people listening like, sports! The Huey Lewis album? That's a good album. <laughs> that is a great album. They do like that, but they also like sports. <laughs> pigskin. <laughs> you know, pigskin sports. Pigskin sports. Yeah. So Dallas Cowboys coach Jimmy Johnson went to school with Janis Joplin. First of all, your name is Jimmy Johnson. That's yeah. two names for a wiener. Why was nobody calling you Wiener Wiener? Yeah, you're you're basically your name is Wiener Wiener. Like, uh, fuck you, Wiener 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 Dieter. <laughs> wiener 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 Wiener. Yeah. Wiener Wiener Wang. It's two Bob's Burgers references. <laughs> fuck you, Jimmy Johnson. And here's why. So he was obviously a jock uh-huh. playing football uh-huh. and made fun of her all the time and tortured her. Like he was like a big a big guy who would torture her because. Joplin and Johnson probably fell right right next next to each each other, other. so they always had to be near each other. Did somebody give him a wedgie so hard he couldn't poop anymore? Because I hope that's how the story ends. It's not. I mean, that still might have happened. I just don't know. (laughs) I hope so. You know what? New canon. Jimmy Johnson can't poop. He's old. He might not be able to. Or maybe that's all he does. (laughs) I don't know. Either way, that wedgie fucked him up forever. It really did. So, Sorry, continue. He tortured her all the time. 
in the 90s, he had written a memoir mm-hmm. and, like, actually talked about it. And he's like, oh, yeah, we used to make fun of her all the time. Completely unapologetic. Like, obviously, she's already dead. Obviously, she's already a bigger star than he is. Yeah. Didn't give a fuck that he made fun of her and tortured her. Cool. Like, Jimmy Johnson's a piece of shit. Well, where is he? How old is he? I don't even give a shit. It's gotta be, like, probably, like, late 70s. All right, well, we're finding him, we're giving him a fucking wedgie and calling him wiener wiener. (laughs) And he's never gonna poop (laughs) again. And he's never gonna poop again. All right. I mean, if you see Jimmy Johnson, (laughs) Call him wiener wiener. Give give him him a wedgie. wedgie. (laughs) There we go. Maybe a swirly for good measure. Yeah. Like, fuck this guy. This guy's an asshole. Yeah. Like, that's really frustrating to me to be, like, to never learn, like, oh, I was a shitty kid and that wasn't cool. Yeah. Like, to be like, it was kind of funny how we tortured her. This dude has had absolutely zero personal growth since he was about 15. Which is gross. Yeah. Don't be Jimmy Johnson. Don't be Wiener Wiener. No, don't. Anyway, that story didn't need to be told, but it made me so mad I needed to tell someone. (laughs) So I told all of you, you're welcome. Reputation be damned. Janice was going to be who she was. She was at that age where she needed to discover herself no matter how much it hurt her. And don't be fooled. Getting bullied like this never left her. Because let me tell you. It doesn't leave you. It never leaves you. The shit the kids put you through in like middle school and elementary school and high school. Yeah, that shit's still with me. I remember those fuckers. I remember all of you motherfuckers. I know your faces. Like when you fuckers try to friend me on Facebook. Like, oh my God, remember? And I'm like. Yeah, I remember. Oh, I fucking remember. You clearly don't, cunt. (laughs) Anyway. Man, if Janice is still alive and at Facebook. Oh, my God. Because let me tell you, I don't get to go into this in my notes, but really quick, she does go to her high school reunion, and she is like, fuck these people. As she should be. Yeah. She was like, so like, why did I come back? In 1960, she graduated from high school and went to college at Lamar State College of Technology, which was par for the course for most of the kids she went to school with. This seemed like the logical next step, but her heart wasn't into it. Janice was heavily inspired by Jack Kerouac's On the Road. And that's where she wanted to be. Not stuck in closed-minded Texas, but experiencing the rest of the big world out there. The summer after her first year in college, Dorothy Joplin thought it might be a good idea for Janice to get some of her energy out by staying with with Dorothy's sister Mm -hmm. in California. So she bought her daughter a Greyhound ticket and sent her out west. That's pretty, pretty progressive and rad. She's, right? she's a cool mom. Yeah, no, honestly, her parents are pretty good. Like, they really, they were beyond God smacking it. They were doing, like, yeah. the best any parent could do. Yeah. Out in California, Janice certainly got her energy out, but it also gave her a chance to see that there was more out there for her to explore. It only served to make her more hungry for a new scene. Her aunt wasn't super crazy about having this strong-willed, independent beatnik in her home. And it wasn't too soon after she arrived that Janice ended up getting her own place. She ended up getting a job as a key punch operator, and so she managed to pay her own way with little problems. So what was supposed to be, like, a few weeks turned into, nah, I'm just going to stay here. Yeah. Well, her aunt wasn't crazy about her. Janice is like, I just kind of want to hang out and do art and smoke pot. And her, her aunt's like, no, you need to be a lady. And she's like, I'm just going to go get a job and get my own place. Deuces. A job? My God. Well, she was a key punch Ooh. operator, which is exactly what a woman should be doing. Just turned into Don Knotts for a second. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, a key punch operator. <laughs> While she was enjoying the art and music scene, she began to get burned by a lot of those in her circle who were deep into hard drugs. 
So by December 1961, she ended up going back home to Texas. And she decided she would give school another college try. Ugh, get out. <laughs> you don't belong here anymore. Oh, it's exactly Go find wiener, wiener. Oh, wiener, wiener, <laughs> wiener dinner. But she knew at this point, being anywhere near Port Arthur ain't it. She had become smitten with the music scene in Austin and felt that was where she needed to be. So she managed to convince her parents to let her go to the University of Texas as an art major. School, unsurprisingly, held no interest for Janice. No. I know. Really, Girl was using it as a way to hear her beloved rhythm and blues live and experience life in the big city. She began hooking up with a guy named Powell St. John, who was a member of a folk trio called the Waller Creek Boys. Fun. Waller Creek Boys. Sounds like something out of uh, Emmett Otter. Got them old Waller Creek boys coming down the hill again. <laughs> Think they're going to fight us. I don't know. I, yeah. They were in the right. talent show, I'm sure. I'm sure. She took up the auto harp and was never seen in public without it. She was well known for walking around barefoot and breaking into song whenever the mood struck her. I mean, but don't do that. Don't walk around barefoot. Unless it's oh, in your own house. Right. Well, I mean. Not outside. Can you imagine the calluses she probably had? She had hobbit feet by the time she died. Oh, she definitely had hobbit feet. I yeah. mean, maybe not, but she, I think I think when she got famous, she stopped barefooting. She got some shoes. She probably got some <laughs> shoes. I think she always had shoes. Just, you know, everybody goes through that barefoot stage, right? Yeah. Yeah. I right. mean, when I was living at home, like out in the middle of nowhere and whatever, not in a city. Yeah. Um, I was barefoot outside all the time, yeah. but it was far cleaner. Than the city. I don't know, Austin and the... Th- yeah, you're right, you're right. She impressed listeners with her mezzo-soprano range that she used in such an unconventional way. It held so much power, and instead of just trying to sound pretty, Janice filled each note with emotion. She surprised people not just with her singing, not just with her attitude, but with her sex life as well. Oh. Yeah. It's funny because Janice's sex life is not something you normally hear about. Oh, but we should have. Yeah. Because I'm sure it was probably pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. By the time she hit college, Janice really started to experiment. She'd have boyfriends come and go, and with much controversy, also girlfriends. She never called herself bi or polyamorous, but instead she would just say she was fluid. Or she just didn't, you know, she's like, whatever. I just fuck who I want to fuck. I'm in a relationship with whoever I want to be in a relationship with. Would she use that term, fluid? Or... I don't know if she used that term specifically, but she just would be like, I'm not really affected by like the gender. That's not really her MO. Yeah. I think she preferred men overall. Right. But she was in plenty of really serious committed relationships with women. Hmm. Gender didn't matter. And again, neither did color. Janice dated and slept with anyone she felt a connection with. I think there's no need to tell you. She wasn't okay in the early 60s. Many would dismiss her as some loose lowlife because of her worldviews and sexual choices. People sucked back then. I know then. you were so surprised by this. So surprised. So surprised. Kel's surprise. One might assume that someone who's going to do what they want socially would have no sense of stage fright whatsoever. Well, you'd be wrong not then. Really? Yeah. Janice. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. But some are very surprised to hear that Janice still needed a decent amount of liquid courage to get herself singing in front of a crowd. Oh, I feel you, girl. Yeah. I feel yeah. you. It wasn't too long before she became an official member of the Waller Creek Boys. 
One of the boys. Just one of the guys. But she wasn't into being another Joan Baez folk singing lady. No, she wanted to sing some blues a la Bessie Smith. So she brought a nice R&B balance to the boys that helped them cross into more of a bluegrass sound. But to give you an idea of what was like Janice's muse mm-hmm. with like Bessie Smith, here's a little Bessie Smith, just so you guys kind of know what's going on. Yeah, see, that's the good shit. Yeah. Yeah, she had that nice, soulful, lower, kind of just, like, real. It wasn't flowery and pretty the way, like, Joan Baez is. But it was emotional. Yes. Thank you. Those Not are words. pretty, but emotional. Yeah. Not to say that it wasn't still pleasant. It just wasn't no. flowery the way like it's not a lot of the white Mariah women Carey Yeah, or Christina Aguilera. She's not doing runs and shit. Yeah, but she's got a great voice. She's got a great voice, and she has emotion behind it. And I think yeah. that means way more than flowery bullshit. Absolutely. Making friends with other musicians, Janice not only improved her skills, but also managed to get a couple songs recorded in the home of a fellow U Texas student. One of the tunes was called What Good Can Drink and Do. It reflected her life and serves as an example of the biographic nature that her songs would end up taking. Huh. And again, here's another here's another little sample. So why not? I'm in, I'm in the sample mood. It's actually really interesting to hear early Janice. sounds so different than what we're used to so different yeah like early janice is it's just not i don't even want to say polished because not like janice ever sounds polished but But this sounds rough compared to it's more refined her later stuff yeah but this is pretty rough yeah this isn't (laughs) it's not bad no and the thing is too it would really catch people off guard because a chick like janice going on stage and singing like this is Uh no you don't do that yeah. Like, you're supposed to go up and sound like a pretty soprano. Yeah. They're probably expecting, like, something akin to an opera singer at this point. But yeah. Because they see a woman go on stage. Oh, we're going to have a nice, pretty little song. Or, like, a June Carter or somebody yes. like that. And that's, and granted, June Carter wasn't the best singer either. <laughs> but they were expecting, like, cute and refined. Yeah. Not just this chick who went on stage. I and mean, she's obviously trying to mimic the sounds of these yeah. blues heroes that she has yeah it's very obvious yes it is she definitely hones her skills in later yes (laughs) school became something she just couldn't bring herself to care about her art didn't seem to be going anywhere and music was calling her louder than ever and the treatment of her by those in austin began to wear thin on her honestly the real final straw was when the local fraternity had an ugliest man contest where janice was nominated Fucking frat guys and jocks. Like frat guys and jocks can eat a dick. 
she's seriously in a teen movie right now. She this really is. This is ridiculous. It's disgusting. Like, every dumb fucking cliche from every stupid teen movie from the 80s is in her life. I know. So stupid. Except, like, you know, she's not, who's that chick and she's all that? They just take off the glasses. Oh, Rachel Lee Cook? Yeah, and all, they take off the glasses and she's so beautiful. Like, first of all, she's cute in them glasses. Fuck you. She was cute to begin with. That's what she I'm saying. She's still the same fucking person. Oh, my God. Freddie anyway. Prince Jr. What are you doing with your life? Fucking bitch-ass punk. I mean, he is married to, what's her face, Sarah Michelle Gellar? He is married to Buffy, but, like, he looked out that's, on that. That's the best that man can do. It is. I mean, actually, he's fine. I should, I feel kind of bad really going after Freddie Prince Jr. I kind of right do, now. too, because, like... I'm pretty sure his dad had a pretty tragic story. And so, I think like, actually he's a pretty decent guy. Like, he's I don't kind think he of acts a, anymore. He's like a really you know nice what? guy. I'm sorry. Freddie Prince Jr., you're fine. We take it all back. We take it all back. I'm pretty sure he's just like a former teen star that has become a stay-at-home dad. Yeah. And that's kind of fine. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Good Freddie for Prince you, Jr. Freddie Prince Jr. And your life is just fine. Yeah. You're a great person. Sorry. We took our I'm anger sorry. out of the wrong person. <laughs> All right, so while she didn't win the contest, the damage was done, and her hurt was visible. Friends to this day still remember how much that upset her. Yeah, that's bullshit. That's fucking terrible to do that to a person. She has every right to feel that way. Yeah. She had to deal with fucking wiener wiener in high school, then she has to deal with this shit. Yeah, like, that's just, you know, like, get the fuck out of here. Pork chop sandwich your way out of this place. <laughs> Any no- way you can. Yes. No more would she be the butt of a Texan idiot's jokes. She met a guy named Chet Helms, a hitchhiker living a life on the road that Janice truly craved. Wait, is his, is his name Chet and he's a good guy? Yeah. Holy shit, there's good Chet. Yeah, that's a good Chet. Good Chet. Hey, good Chet. When she discovered he was going out to San Francisco, right as she was really just longing to get back to Cali, everything fell into place. She left her life in Austin in the dust and set forth for a new one. In the mecca of the 60s revolution, full of free thinking and free loving. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Speaking of free loving, maybe we take a hot second, talk about some free loving offers of today. Yeah. Birthday. We got some spicy details on a deal from adamandeve.com. Yeah. You can go head on over to adamandeve.com right now and select almost any one item for 50% off. And Adam and Eve are going to send you some free stuff. Free stuff. Look, we got the coronavirus going on right now. You got to stay indoors. Yeah, you don't want to go going can't around. You can't be going on Tinder. You can't be meeting t- dates or anything. You can't be meeting taints either. <laughs> no, you can't. You need to. The only taint you need to be meeting is your own. Yes. Self-love is best love right now. Self-love in the time of quarantine. Yeah. But you know who's going to help you out through that? AdamandEve.com. Yeah. And right? us. Uh, and us? Yeah. Oh, I mean, we like. we got this sweet deal. Oh, yes. I was like, I mean, I'm, I don't. Wait, what? Are we doing I, no, camera we're not stuff tu- now? No, we're not touching. No touching. No touching. Okay. No touching. Yes. So when you enter Candy Pod, C-A-N-D-Y-P-O-D. Not Candy Pud, which I keep saying. <laughs> enter that at checkout. And expect some extra gifts. Maybe something sexy for a him. Maybe something sensual for a her. 
or perhaps something lovely and wonderful for them. And you get six films. <laughs> there are six very sexy films. Yeah. you They might be on a projector. I don't know. No, I, I'm pretty <laughs> they're sure not. they're DVDs. They're DVDs. Honestly, we still need to get this. Let's see what, what we're going to get. Yeah, we haven't done this yet. Yeah. Yeah, you can get some hot films. I mean, at this point, you've probably exhausted Pornhub, I'm assuming. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot on there, but what else you got to do? Right? I mean, and this could be fun. You could either find something really spicy or something that's going to make you laugh a lot. Yeah. And either way, you're getting yourself a nice little present. Yep. A little toy. Keep yourself busy for a little bit. A couple movies. Sit down and watch those. And on top of that? Free shipping. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's worth it for the free shipping, guys. It really is. So that's, you know, a bunch of free stuff. And on top of that, you get it shipped to you for free. Yeah. So all all you got to do is go to adamandeve.com and enter what? Candy pod. At checkout. Yes. And save yourself some money. And get yourself some good stuff. And nut by yourself. Because right now, (laughs) self-love. Is the best love. Yes. Okay, back to Janice. Yes, please. (laughs) She moved out to San Francisco with Chet. Good Chet. Good Chet. This time looking to make a name for herself with her music. Pretty soon after their arrival, Chet helped Janice get some gigs at a local coffee house, and she became a mainstay on a lot of the coffee house circuit. That's nice. Right? After performing a handful of open mics, she met a few fellas who were pretty good players themselves, and Janice felt... They might vibe well, so she asked them if they would be interested in accompanying her. They grabbed a third, and the foursome played together, dramatically improving Janice's sets. Oh. This woman wasn't shy about making friends. She wouldn't drink before a gig, but afterwards she'd be drinking like a fish and talking to everyone around her. So did she just get her shit together, like being able to get out on stage and stuff? Yeah. She would just go out on stage, or she'd probably have a couple drinks. Yeah. Not get, like, shit-faced Yeah, or she would loosen the nerves, but yeah. she wouldn't go out shitty. Okay. But afterwards, she'd get real shitty. <laughs> <laughs> this outgoing personality helped her meet future stars like Grateful Dead's Jerry Garcia, as well as Pigpen, and Jefferson Airplane's Jorman Kalkonen. Hmm. Jorman was so enamored with her sound that he asked Janice to come over where he could record some songs with her. While they worked, his mar- wife, Margareta was using a typewriter, which incidentally was picked up in the background. These songs were released posthumously and became known as the typewriter tapes. Huh. A classic in the Janice discography. Typewriters were fucking loud. Yep. It was like, click, <laughs> click, 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 yeah. click. Seriously, yeah. though. It we had really one bad. when I was growing up. Shit is loud. Like, don't even try to type fast on one of those things because it's just like... And don't try to type in the middle of the night and think you're not going to wake up the entire house. You're waking up everybody. You're waking up your whole fucking neighborhood with those. She was easily meeting new people, getting acclimated to the scene in Cali, and soon Janice would be exposed to harder and harder drugs. Initially, she was just smoking weed and drinking on the regular. But then came hash, then speed, then psychedelics. Uh Uh-huh. But as her career grew, so did her insecurities. In an attempt to counterbalance those feelings, she began to take Dexamil, which is this combo amphetamine barbital oh. pill. They call them uh, Purple Hearts, I believe. <laughs> That's a terrible name. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I might have fucked that also, up. Also, no, don't take that shit. Well, she felt like she needed to. What is that supposed to do? Just like, is 
like crazy speed. Yeah, pretty much. Why? Because it made her feel they better. They probably call it a purple heart because your heart seizes and turns purple and then you die. Probably. That's terrible. Don't yeah. take that. I mean, she's 20, maybe? Then definitely don't take it. I'm just saying she was probably very easily influenced by the yeah. culture. And Janice was pretty fearless when it came to trying new things. Is I'm there... not trying to defend her doing this. I'm just trying yeah. to give you a picture of why she was doing this. Is there any way we can blame this on the Grateful Dead? I mean, probably. Okay, let's do that. Okay. All right. What can't we blame on the Grateful Dead? I'm sorry. Everything. She had you to know sit what? through a 20-minute jam session Corona. for one song, and she was like, let me just give me some of those yeah. drugs. You know what? Coronavirus. All the Grateful Dead's fault. Yeah, this is all the Grateful Every Dead's fault. Every single bit of it. And now we lost all the Grateful Dead fans. Uh, we lost them when we did the Grateful Dead episode. Truth. <laughs> don't go back and listen to that unless you don't like the Grateful Dead. Yeah. Janice was starting to get noticed by big labels looking for a fresh new act to sign. One night, she had an amazing performance in front of a few record execs from L.A. and immediately left after the show on her moped and got hit. Oh, that's so cute. Oh, no. She got hit by a car right in front of the venue. Oh, that's not cute. No. It took her a month to recover from a serious leg wound. And even though the likes of RCA and other companies were blown away by her, like, she just was absent for too long. That's and then bullshit. the deals went away because, I mean, that's just how the biz... I mean, I, again, I'm not defending it. I'm just saying shit was just... That's how it is. If you're not, like, a mainstay and, like, in people's minds, they're going to be like, man, who is that? I don't even remember anymore. If it was some dude, they would have offered them a record deal on the spot. And probably paid their hospital bill. Yep. <laughs> I bet. After this, Janice was once again restless and decided another big move was in order. So she went across the entirety of the U.S. of A., to end up in New York City for four months. Huh. Living in cheap artist housing, it's unknown just how often she performed in the big city, but she certainly spent a lot of time out. Well, that's good, mm. I guess. She would hustle unsuspecting men at pool as she was an avid <laughs> and talented shot. That is hilarious. Oh, yeah. She would just pool shark everybody. Yeah, I'm just going to go across the country in New York City, hustle some people, play some pool. Come back. It's fine. And then I'll fuck off back to California. Yeah, yeah it's, it's fine. That's fine. She's my hero. She should be. <laughs> in some ways. In some ways. She was going out to a lot of the gay clubs with her girlfriend. And soon after, they both picked up the habit of shooting amphetamines. Cool. So this is where she stops being your hero. Awesome. Janice quickly found life in New York City to be stifling, which, fair, decided to go back to San Francisco, which, not as fair. And who would have known how quickly the culture could change in just a few months? But by the time she got back, Dexamil was no longer the drug of choice. What was it? Oh, no. Oh, no. No? Now everyone was shooting meth. Oh, shooting it? Yep. Wow. Cool. yep rip Holy fuck. Sincerely. Welcome to Methland. Thanks, San Francisco. The meth Aroni, the San Francisco (laughs) treat. I'm going to say this and it's going to sound shitty. There's a reason Janice looked almost 40 when she died at 27. Considering the laundry list of drugs she has done. Yeah. And she was only 20-ish. Yeah. 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 She was doing these drugs at 20, 21. And also amphetamines age you so hard. Yes. Really, really hard. So does meth. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, meth, like all of meth it. is an, an, oh, a really bad amphetamine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The amphetamines. Ooh. Take a drink. You need to be <laughs> You need to be on this Maggie. If your auto if your automatic response is this ain't good, yeah. that's a proper one. Yeah. Janice went full druggy at this point. Her ambitions <sighs> for music went down the drain. All she wanted to do now was shoot up. No, that's not good. Because that's what happens to some people with shit like meth and heroin. Like, the high is so good, but it's so quick that all you do all day is shoot up to keep the and high going. the down part is so, is bad. so bad. It's so bad. So, yeah, all you're going to do is shoot up. Venues would rarely let her perform. And if they did, you better believe she wasn't seeing any money until after she played a full set. Because she became well known for either not showing up or walking off after a couple songs. Janny, 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 mm-hmm. what you doing, girl? Oh, no, girl. Girl. Friends saw all of this going down in real time. The loss of passion, the paranoia, the extreme weight loss, the inability to make a decision, and all the erratic behavior of a drug addict. Janice wasn't happy. She wanted off the drugs. And at the time, she was dating a man named Pete DeBlanc, who also was hooked on meth, but also wanted off. And they told each other that they wanted to get married once they got clean. And that still wasn't enough to get them off, though. Hmm. Finally, everyone decided enough is enough. They threw a bus fare party for Janice, where a hat was passed around and everyone threw in whatever money they could and got a Greyhound ticket for Janice to go back to Port Arthur, Texas. Good. Yep. In the spring of 65, Seth and Dorothy Joplin welcomed home their 88-pound daughter. Oh, my God. Yup. That's like some Karen Carpenter shit. Yeah. It was bad. They helped nurse her back to health. This harrowing experience put a lot into perspective for Janice, who decided she needed to go straight and lead the normal life she spent so long fighting. Hmm. She began therapy to work through her psychiatric issues and addictions. Music didn't leave completely, though, as she'd bring her guitar to sessions and break out in songs sometimes. That's good. She didn't completely abandon it. No, she was still... I guess, like, in some ways, that barefoot chick was like, I'm going to break into song when I want. Mm-hmm. Except she wasn't barefoot anymore. Peter was still the love of her life, with her writing him a letter every day, even though he would come up with many excuses why he couldn't write back as much. Oh, did he? Mm-hmm. I'm sure it was another woman. Well, all of her fears were squashed when he went down for a visit and asked Seth for his daughter's hand in marriage. Uh-huh. Okay. Janice was over the moon with excitement. Now she could have that picket white fence life that she had always wanted, deep down inside. But things still seemed off with Peter, as he would go radio silent for big chunks at a time. Yeah, something's going on. Eventually it came out that Peter was a con man, Hmm. and actually married and had a child, as well as affairs with a slew of other women. Well, his name is also synonymous with Dick, so yeah. yeah. Dick of White. Dick of White. Because it's Peter DeBlanc. Oh my God, his name White is Dick of Dick. White. White. White Dick, Dick is fucking dicking it all over the place, isn't he? He is, though. Wow. Did his like actual family know in- about any of this? Yeah, I think. Wow. I don't. You know, I don't know I, too know much what? about White Dick. <laughs> I'm gonna give White Dick's wife 
like the benefit of the doubt and just be like, yeah, she probably knew. She was just a fucking good wife and didn't say well, shit. Here's the thing. I don't and know if they were divorced. Silence. Like I never, I didn't do a ton of research into him. I don't know if like. I hope she divorced his fucking ass. Well, no, I mean like when he was with Janice, like I think he might've like had a previous marriage, but like a kid from that marriage, uh-huh. but he was also fucking a ton of other ladies. But also didn't tell Janice he oh. was married before and had a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's white dick. Dick white. But white dick makes him sound like a villain in a comic book or something, which I kind of enjoy. Yeah. White dick. At it again. Oh my god, it's the white dick. (laughs) No! The new Batman villain. DC is really running low on ideas here. (laughs) Not their best work. (laughs) Not their best. But not their worst. Yeah, really not their worst. Have you seen a movie by DC? (laughs) Woof. Janice couldn't believe it. She was embarrassed and heartbroken. It wouldn't be long before music became the only lover she could ever trust again. Janice tried so hard to become the proper lady she was expected to be. She took poise classes, styled her hair in a beehive. She wore dresses and skirts. Like, she took these engagement photos and, like, tried to plan the wedding with her mom. Wow. Because here's the thing. At the end of the day. That's just a hard 180 that was just not her. But it, it is in some sense of... All she's ever wanted was her parents' approval. Yeah. She wanted her parents to say, I'm glad of the life that you are living. I approve of this. I think you're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. And she thought, let me be the normal girl that mom and dad always wanted and I'll be happy. Yeah. So she tried it. Didn't work out great. <laughs> Nothing she did helped her fit in or made her feel like herself. The biggest roadblock she had to fully committing to music again, though, was the looming fear of becoming a drug addict again. She just couldn't fathom a career without the drugs. Because, I mean, like, think about this fucking California scene. Yeah. Think about any music scene. There's going to be drinking and drugs. I think nowadays you're going to be more likely to see a lot of sober people trying to be sober and be supportive about it. Right. In the 60s? Fuck no. No, it's either, you know, you didn't drink at all or you were an alcoholic. But if you didn't drink at all, you're like, you know, the Carters. Right. Or um, Donnie and Marie. Yeah. You know, and you're you, a wholesome group. And if you did drink, you were, you know, the patriarch of the family that just downed scotch while he's at work and while he come, while he's home. Life's hard. I love scotch. Yeah. Scotchy scotch scotch. Her therapist did his best to quell these fears, telling her she had the talent. The addictions were not needed. And perhaps that encouragement mixed with the absolute need to express herself again got Janice back into writing and performing music. She asked friends at the local venues to get her into open mics, and she began to play with other old friends, and even some of the Waller Creek boys. Oh. They all met up again. Nice. She caught a performance by a new group called the 13th Floor Elevators. Sorry, I had to swallow my beer before I could be like, what? Yeah, 13th Floor Elevators. That's... Because if you think about it, there's never a 13th floor. There isn't, but, like, really... (laughs) We're wacky. We're wacky. They became a big source of inspiration for her. Lead singer Roki Erickson was this scrappy... Roki Erickson? I know that name. Well, here's a little tidbit about Roki Erickson. (laughs) He was a scrappy yet charismatic singer whose shrieking vocals gave Janice a whole new view on singing. He inspired her no-holds-barred, raspy vocals that are now synonymous with her songs. Yes. So this is where we start to get the Janice we know now. Yes. And while Janice was getting clean and perfecting her sound, little did she know how much they missed her in California. 
good Chet Helms sent Travis Rivers, one of Janice's old flames, down to Texas to entice Janice into coming back west. Man, she got all the dudes with all the Texas names. Mm -hmm. Chet, Travis. Yeah. White Pete. (laughs) White Dick. White Dick. (laughs) Wiener Wiener. Yeah, all the white, all the all the all Texas, the, all names. the Texas white people names. <sighs> Chet was now a big man in the music biz and wanted her to have another chance at stardom. It surprisingly didn't take much to get her back, and Chet greeted her with open arms and willing to help her with all of her needs, hooking her up with a place to stay on the cheap and introducing her to the band Big Brother and the Holding Company, ah. who would be the group to walk into the limelight hand in hand with Janice. Mm-hmm. Big Brother was initially hesitant with Janice, as she had more of a bluesy sound opposed to their psychedelic sound, but as they became more structured in practicing and performing, it helped to make them all better in general. Mm -hmm. They helped each other out, and together their sounds blended into something no one had heard before. Coming back into the music scene, she met up with old friends, the Grateful Dead, who they would party with quite often. They they were partiers. They were partiers. Boy, oh boy. And Big Brother and Holding Company liked to party with them. Well. Yeah. Whoa. And they did. So we can blame this on Grateful yeah, Dead. we can. You know what? Right. Let's just blame it on the Grateful Dead. I'm okay. fine with that. Janice and Pigpen even had a brief relationship. Oh. Yeah. They're boned for a minute. Because, you know, a dude with a name like Pigpen, that really makes me want to slam him. <laughs> Really want to slam some pig pen, guys. Yeah. Well, when you go Ooh. from white dick and you... Like, where, you, where do you go from white dick? Where do you go dick? from white dick? You go to pig pen. There's a letter that... A famous letter Janice writes back to her parents or her sister or somebody. And she just writes about how, like, pig pen's just so cute. There are shirts with, like, his picture on it or something or his name for the fans. And I bought one. Oh, honey. Yeah. Sweetie. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure Pigpen was a great guy. I'm sure he was very nice. We'll go with that. I'm sure that they had a great time together. Honestly, he was probably a step up from White Dick. I'm sure he was several steps up from White Dick. <laughs> At least they had fun and like he didn't con her and her family out of money. Yeah. So, you know, there's that. They would smoke pot and drink ridiculous amounts of SoCo together, but she still managed to stay away from the harder stuff. That's good including the LSD that the dead was so well known oh for. Boy. She didn't like hallucinogens because they, quote, made you think too much. I can understand that. Right? As Big Brother performed more gigs, their exposure gained traction, especially Janice's. No one could deny her dynamic onstage presence and demanding vocals. At one point, she was approached by Electra Records to join a blues supergroup that they were putting together. Okay. She went to her bandmates and told them about the offer, and they were little furious. Oh. They felt the band was a family, and she went behind their backs. She, they said if she didn't go to Chicago with them for the month-long residency that they were just about to leave for, then she was doing the wrong thing. Okay. And I mean, I could see that, you know, it's like, we're a band, we're coming up together. And even though everybody kind of had an inkling, like, but Janice is kind of like the big deal part of this. You still are kind of like, but we're a band. We're coming up together. What are you fucking doing? Yeah. And Janice is like, not quite at that peak yet. Yeah. And she's probably looking at these two mountains like, ooh, which one do I want to climb, though? Yeah, because they're both going to be mountains. And they're both just filled with men. Yeah. Telling her what to do, so. Yeah. This was an incredibly hard decision for Janice. 
but she stayed with Big Brother. But that wasn't the last of their issues. They also decided to fire good Chet Helms as manager. Aw, Chet. I know. Well, he was having less and less time to focus on them in lieu of other projects, and they felt that and were like, nah, we gotta gotta get a manager who's gonna focus on us. GTFO, Chet. Yeah, like, sorry, Chet. I think they tried to keep it as amicable as possible because it's like... Because he's good, Chet. He's good, Chet. But, like, also, I get it. You need a manager who's going to focus on you more. Right. And with that, they all went to Chicago. A lot was riding on this, so everything needed to go well. And it did. Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) They performed at a small blues venue called Mother Blues. Five one-hour sets per night. The first two hours were for all ages, where kids kind of just stood around aimlessly. The rest of the night, alcohol was served to adults where people would get, quote, quite collar drunk and belligerent. And I think you and I both know what white collar drunk is. That's like mad men drunk. No, mad men drunk is like rich people drunk. I I think of white collar drunk like really entitled people who like kind of have money, but don't really have money, but want to act like they have money. And they're like, um... Why don't I have, like, all of the beer instead oh. of, like, some of the beer? And I'm going to sue you if you don't, like, clean this table it's, up It's a now. bunch of fucking Karens. It's a bunch of fucking Karens! Yeah. Thank you. That's that's what I think white-collar okay. drunk okay, is. Okay, so, like... Drunk Karens. Drunk Karen hour. Is white co- yeah, it's, tr- it's <laughs> drunk Karen, Karen hour. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds like a nightmare. Mm-hmm. After a couple weeks in, their shows just weren't producing an audience, so Mother Blues stopped paying them. They thought, what? yeah, they thought they had been saved when they were approached by mainstream records exec Bobby Shad, who offered them a deal. It's like kind of sounds between, like Chad, but it's more like a shart, <laughs> shorty Chad. Oh no! <laughs> they were desperate and thought this would be a way out of this BS, but it turns out it was just more BS. It was a five-year contract with no advance What that assured half the song rights to mainstream. But what choice did Big Brother have? At this point, they're stranded in Chicago. They have no way to get back. They have no money. Well, thanks, guys, for denying her the other opportunity. Yeah, right? Yeah. Cool. So they signed it and recorded four songs for a record and then deuced the fuck out of there with whatever money they could grab. Back in Cali, things were much better. The crowd got the music and the scene, unlike the Midwest, Mm -hmm. and they were back to their successful shows and practicing on the daily schedule. Janice got comfortable in her life again, taking up cooking and sewing, making her own outfits to wear, and just being all around crafty. She's crafty. She's crafty. Unfortunately, thanks to the women involved with the Big Brother boys, wives and girlfriends, Janice got too comfy. Mm Mm-hmm. It was only a matter of time, but after over a year of sobriety, she fell back into shooting up speed. Come on! Yeah. The girls were like, come on, just shoot some speed. It'll be fine. Oh, fuck you. Because that's what you did in the 60s. You're like, come on, it's just drugs. It's fine. Because peer pressure was, like, actually a thing. Yeah. Is it? Is peer pressure still a thing I now? think it is. I think is it, it is. I actually feel like it's, like, more sinister and, like, unspoken. Really? I would say so. I don't know. Tell me if I'm know. wrong. I Listeners, do you feel peer pressured? It's like, I don't know. I never had to deal with that, I guess. So, like, yeah. if anybody ever offered... The the hardest, like, peer pressure I have ever felt is, like, somebody passing me the pipe and me being like, no, thanks, I don't want to, and then being like, okay, and handing it to somebody else. Yeah. That is, like, 
the most peer pressure I have ever felt. I think the most peer pressure I ever felt was like if I said no, like really, and I'm like, yeah. I never even got that. Oh, I or sometimes like got an the eye roll really? or anything. Yeah, sometimes I got the really or the eye roll, and I'm like, I'm just not really in the mood tonight. It's okay if I'm, I'm not sorry. In the mood. Like the pot smoke makes my tum tum hurt. <laughs> I, just, I don't wanna. And now it's like, oh, drug tests. Sorry. <laughs> it's like, fuck, we're adults. God yeah. damn it. Now I can just be like, oh, looking for jobs, drug tests. Even still, success was on the horizon. They had bigger and bigger gigs to perform at, and none bigger for them than the Monterey Pop Festival. Ooh, that's mm. a big thing. That is a big thing. The one where everything happened and all the underdogs blew the crowd out of the seats. Yeah. They had two performances that weekend, and despite the camera going the whole time, the first net set was not filmed. Because distrust? Huh? San Fran folk didn't like the idea of L.A. movie folk coming in and trying to take, like, footage of them for money. <sighs> okay. And it sounded like their manager. It sounded like somebody. Yeah. Was on a little too many drugs. Yeah, their was manager. a little bit paranoid. Right. Their manager, Julius Carpin, was kind of, like, super against it. And so the rest of the band was like, yeah, I guess we won't do it then. But, like, Janice was kind of like, but maybe we should. And then they just didn't. But after the amazing success of their first set, they were offered a short set on Sunday, as long as it could be filmed. Still on performance high, the band totally agreed. No questions asked. And it was a good thing, too, because the footage helped land them in infamy. Especially with Janice singing Ball and Chain, which mm-hmm. is like, look it up. It's so good, her live performance of this. However, the band wasn't very happy with the resulting movie, as it focused on Janice, not the band as a whole. This planted a seed of bitterness that would eventually break up the band. Even though their new manager, Julius Carpin, was receiving offers from bigger record companies to buy out their contract, Bob Shad refused to sell and instead tried to make money off of the success of Monterey by releasing the debut album without any input from the band. Because he's a shardy Chad. Yeah, it's just a big old shart. Unsurprisingly, Big Brother never saw a cent of royalties and, of course, then refused to promote it. Mm-hmm. The fans grabbed it, though, getting it to land on the charts, but critics found it to be kind of messy and weren't crazy about it. Because critics suck. Yeah, I mean, it, they weren't wrong either, though. I mean, it wasn't a it wasn't great, great. effort. It, yeah. I mean, it's this garbage record label that's putting it out, not getting any of their input. Yeah. Input, and, yeah. But those who were seeing them live knew they were the real deal, and their popularity continued to rise. And now that people were paying attention, they were noticing something the band might not have. Perhaps Janice was a little ahead of the rest of the band. As she became the center of attention, the band continued to turn away from her. But at the same time, she was starting to hear people tell her, Yo, girl, maybe you should go out on your own, though. But that didn't happen until after they got a new manager in Albert Grossman, who managed to get their contract bought out from mainstream by Columbia Records. Mm -hmm. They went to work on another album. In the studio, Janice became kind of de facto leader, as she was curious as to what was always going on, she wanted to learn new things, wanted to know how the production worked, and she was more than willing to experiment with techniques. And you don't see anybody in the band doing that, so... Not as much as Janice. She was staying there. She was the first to arrive, the last to leave. Mm-hmm. She was really into what was going on. The resulting album, Chief Thrills, would get Big Brother to the number one spot 
finally getting them the notoriety they had worked so hard for. But as life looked great on the outside, things were falling apart on the inside. Woof. As much as BBHC tried to avoid drugs, offender number one finally made its way into their ranks. And James Gurley introduced Janice to shooting heroin. Thanks, James. Congratulations. Zero days without heroin incident. Zero. Back, bring it back to zero. Zero back days without heroin. Pedaling that shit back to zero. Cool. Thanks, James. Also, full name for Jimmy, which is synonymous. <laughs> for a dick. For a dick. You know what? Janice is just surrounded by these dicks. Surrounded by dicks. That's her emo band. Surrounded by, by dicks. dicks. She's better off with them pussies. Mm-hmm. At least she managed to keep it off hours, though. James didn't. Combine this with all the talk about Janice being too talented for the band, and it all finally came to a head. So, having even the encouragement of their manager, Albert, she finally decided, it's time. I'm mm-hmm. going out on my own. Even though she was solo, Janice knew she needed a band to back up her powerful sound. So she got together a group that she named the Cosmic Blues Band, which is where I got the beer from. Cosmic, except this one's spelled K-O-Z-M-I-C. Oh, okay. Not like actual cosmic. Oh. It was almost a completely new crew, except big brother guitarist Sam Andrew did come along with her. And by now, Janice's heroin use was no joke. She was allegedly spending $200 worth of heroin a day, which I think is somewhere now in the realm of thirteen to 1500 a day. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fucking lot of money. That's a lot of fucking money. D- where, where did she even get it from? She's getting real famous? I don't know. So, now that she had this new group of people who held no real loyalty to each other, there was no real leadership, and the severe do- but there was definitely a severe drug problem. Yep. This didn't bode well. During the recording of her first solo effort, called, I got them cosmic blues again, mama! Exclamation point. Okay. She was living with producer Gabriel Meckler so that he could keep her as clean as possible during the process. At least somebody was trying. He's like, all right, we gotta we gotta keep this girl from the Because you can't be a fucking mess every time you come into the studio. Pretty much. Because you're probably a fucking mess every time you're out of the studio. So can you just... Can you tone it down? Just for when you're in the studio. That'd be great. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. It was a bit of a departure from the psychedelic rock that she was playing with Big Brother. This was a bit more rhythm and blues, including a horn section, which she wasn't allowed to have in her previous band. Oh. Many critics did not like the change and found that she was working with a subpar band, which, okay, I think I'll give them that, but I kind of really like this album. I think it sounds really cool and really fun, and it is slightly different, but I think it's still quintessentially Janice. But she's also doing what she wants to do and has been wanting to do for a while. And yeah. her other band was like, no. Right. I think, again, it's They're just fucking turds. a lot of men being like, man, I don't like what this lady is doing. It's a lot of men being fucking turds. It's a lot of dicks. Being turds. Dicks being turds. <laughs> That's going to be the name of my memoirs. Before its release, Janice, of course, performed the famed Woodstock Festival Mm. in August 1969. Her voice was sounding strained and depleted quickly into the set, and while she did spend more than an hour up there, many felt her performance lacked its usual energy. This could have been because booze, or maybe drugs, or maybe she was even just tired because she had to wait till the middle of the night to play because 
if you'll recall, every time we've talked about Woodstock, that shit was a mess. And I feel like every band we've talked about that has played Woodstock has played in the middle of the night somehow. Yeah, because that's... Every single one of them. Yeah, that's all like there they is. They all just played all at once at two o'clock in the morning. Well, it's pretty much because the Grateful Dead went all night. Yeah, because the Grateful Dead fucked everything. You know whose fault this is? Grateful Dead. Yup. We, we can blame the Grateful Dead for yeah. this. The Cosmic Blues album did eventually reach gold status, but wasn't as revered as Cheap Thrills. Now people were saying Janice's new band just wasn't as good as her old band. Oh, make up your mind. Right? Oh, nothing's good. Anything this woman does. The final results were in and confirmed to both Janice and Albert Grossman that this new band just wasn't going to work. And I mean, truth be told, it wasn't really working out. Yeah. By the end of 1969, the Cosmic Blues broke up, and once again, she was left to figure out a backup band. But, fuck this. In February 1970, Janice felt like she just needed a break from the pressure and decided to go on a trip to Brazil with her friend and costumer, Linda Gravenites. That's a good name for a band. Gravenites. The Gravenites. I might be saying it wrong. My apologies, if I am. Here, she wanted to finally kick the drugs, and being in a new place with so much beauty kind of seemed like the right place. Okay. As she was on her trip, she met another American tourist named Dave Nighthouse and immediately connected. They spent weeks traveling around South America together. And that kind of probably sucks for her traveling partner, who's well, probably oh, like, Come she ended on. up she ended up leaving anyway. She was kinda she wasn't gonna spend as much time out okay. there as Janice. She was kind of like, I'll go out for a little bit. And yeah. I think they were going to go back. And Janice decided to stay later. And Linda was like, well, I'm just going to go back. Okay. Because at this point, Linda was living with Janice to try to help her get off drugs. Yeah. Because well, she was I, her sober friend. I don't know if leaving her somewhere. <laughs> well, she was with this dude, Dave, when she You left. don't know who this guy is. Well, this guy turns out to be Good Dave. Oh, Good Dave. Good okay. Dave. <laughs> I I know, I know several Daves. They're Good Daves. Good Daves. Dave's a good name. These are the Daves I know I know. These, These are, are the Daves, Daves I, I know. <laughs> well, they spent weeks traveling around South America together, and when her methadone ran out, he helped her through a terrible detox. Good for you, Dave. Good Dave. This seemed like the healthiest relationship of Janice's life. Yeah. Not only because the dude didn't do drugs, so it helped her stay clean, but he had the same sense of adventure and really valued her for who she was. It wasn't because she was famous. It wasn't because she fucked real good. Uh-huh. It was because... I love Janice. She's really amazing, and I have a great time with her. She's a cool cat. She's a cool cat and a cool kid. This could very well be the love that Janice had been looking for the whole fucking time. It sounds like it, she but had I a hole feel in her like... heart. It's all she needs. She just she wanted that love. She wanted that companionship. That she soulmate had a hole in her heart that could only be filled by Dave, by a Dave, by a good Dave, and this hole in her heart can be filled with the things she does. I'm quoting extreme here and you just don't know. More than Dave. <laughs> yeah, but this was the other hit that they had. Oh, they had another song? Yes. Oh, okay. It's called Hole in My Heart or something like that. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't I'll know I'll play it for you when we're done because you will know exactly what the song is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, things didn't stay this way for too long. Soon after returning to the U.S., Janice fell back into her habits again and got back in heroin. Dave, where'd you go? Well, Dave, I think, tried his best to stop her, but drugs are a hell of a drug. (laughs) 
Drugs are a hell of an addiction. But like, where did Dave go go after? He was staying with her. Oh, he was. Yeah, he was there. But what happened is she got back into drugs and Dave told her he can't watch her do this to herself. I don't blame Dave. No. And he said he was going to leave, but he wanted her to go with him. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to travel more. Come with me. Okay. And she begged him to stay and said, no, I need to do my music right now. I promise you I will quit heroin if you stay. And they were at an impasse. Uh-huh. They were, both loved each other, wanted to stay together, but this wasn't going to fucking work. Mm-hmm. Not in the situation that it was in. Right. So they decided that it would be best to take a break, get themselves figured out, but meet up next year. Like, they had a definitive, like, date that they were going to meet up again. Okay. And then they kept in frequent contact because they would keep writing letters to each other. So they they still tried to keep something alive. Okay. But Heartbreak couldn't stop Janice from music. She put together a new group called the Full Tilt Boogie Band. And they why? backed her up. Why? why Why? does there always have to be a band with a dumb name? Full Tilt Boogie Band. Why? Why not? I don't know. <laughs> and this time, she made the calls about who joined. Nobody else was making this choice for her. It Good was actually her. her band. Good. This band was it. They clicked. Nothing felt forced. They went right to work on Janice's next album, which includes one of her biggest hits, Me and Bobby McGee. Mm-hmm. Months earlier, she was taught the song by Bob Newworth, who had learned it from the one and only Chris Christopherson. <laughs> That's right. He did write it, didn't mm-hmm. he? He did. She fell in love with the tune and began to perform it at live shows. Unrelated, but still interesting. Again, I will do this one as well. Mm-hmm. One night, she had both Bob and Chris visit as a surprise guest in her house. Mm-hmm. Girl was all about Mr. Christopherson. Oh, I and mean, they spent a couple weeks shacking up. Which honestly, like, let's be honest, Chris Christopherson was a, a good looking dude, babe. With fucking nice ass hair. I think he was tall, not too. ass hair, but he had nice, <laughs> he might have had nice ass hair, nice hyphen ass hair yeah, on his no. head. He had lovely locks. Good. Seems like a great guy. I think he's tall. Yeah, very handsome. I would. 100% sleep with Chris Christopherson. Wasn't he in the original A Star is Born? Probably. I think he was. I don't know. I um, never saw any of them. Either way. um, And he like, he hung around with like Woody Harrelson and shit a lot, right? Sure. He was part of the outlaw gang? No, not part of the outlaw people. I forgot. Wasn't he fucking... a wandering Woodbury? He was, was he a traveling Woodbury? Was he the one that I always am like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> Might be. I don't know. I wow. don't think he is, though. This is this is a sad moment in our I lives know. right now. I can't think so of I'm so sorry. Look, all I know is he was a babe. He was he a wrote fucking me babe. And, and you know what? McGee. That's all we really need to know right now. He was a babe. He was a fucking babe. We'll do a Chris Christopherson episode. We'll learn more. Get and, off our dicks. And all, we can, all we're going to do through that entire episode is be like, yeah, I'd fuck him. Yeah, I'd fuck him. I'd fuck him. I would have totally fucked him. <laughs> this man's hot. Like a lot. Oh my God. Never stop. That's why Janice didn't. She's like, nah, I'm here for this. Yep. Janice spent a lot of this year trying to kick drugs again. On and off methadone, slipping back into old habits to help numb her from her own loneliness. And of course, she still ran in groups of friends who either weren't willing or weren't able to quit. Mm-hmm. Probably more like weren't able because drugs are hell of a drug. Heroin uh, gets that lasso around you. It really does. Tight. Like that's why I just don't even, don't even start it. 
By the time recording sessions went full swing at the end of the summer, she seemed to be off the hard drugs, at least, though still drinking heavily. Sometimes they'd have to do multiple takes for a song because her voice was beginning to struggle. But she was still a creative force with nerves of steel. On October 1st, 1970, she laid down the last vocals she would ever do for the song Mercedes-Benz, an acoustic number she wrote to be a piss take on consumerism. Yeah, maybe her vocals were getting damaged with all the booze and cigarettes, but Mm -hmm. wouldn't let her stop making amazing songs with her amazing voice. Mm -hmm. In fact, listen to a little bit of this fucking song. It's amazing. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? My friends all drive Porsches. I must make amends. Worked hard all my lifetime. No help from my friends. So, oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a color TV? Dialing for... I haven't heard that song in a long time. Yeah. Actually, when I was researching, I heard this again. I was like... Oh, yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. This is a great song. Yeah. It's so good. On October 3rd, she simply went to the studio just to listen to the instrumental for Buried Alive in the Blues and agreed with Paul Rothschild that they would record her vocals the following day. And she went home. Well, they were actually staying at a hotel at the time. So she went back to the hotel. She was driving around with uh, some of the crew and She's really excited, really happy, couldn't wait to record vocals. Like, she was really pumped about this album coming out. What year was this? 1970. Okay. However, that song still remains an instrumental. Uh. Like I said, Janice continued to slip in and out of old habits. The task of recording the newest record was exhilarating for her, but also left her lonely when she wasn't working. You know, like... A lot of her bandmates already kind of had families or things going on, so they would do their own thing. Mm -hmm. And while they worked great together, there wasn't necessarily, like, that hangout mentality when they were done. Yeah. So a lot of times it was Janice kind of hanging out by herself. That's sad. Yeah. Using, again, kind of felt like a common way for her to silence the void. But at the same time, there was nobody looking out for her. Really? Not, yeah. I not think in people, her close circle at the I time. I think people were too confident. Yeah. I think they were, what's the opposite of giving someone the benefit of the doubt? They were overestimating her will, mm-hmm. which I know sounds shitty, but sometimes you have to underestimate someone's willpower. Yeah. But I guess we didn't know what we know now about heroin, so. True. This was only 1970. So she was still in contact on and off with close friends who were also trying to kick heroin. So they were kind of all trying to keep their distance. But she had one friend, Peggy Caserta, and she was this woman that on and off Janice would have a relationship with. Mm -hmm. But they used together constantly, and they were kind of each other's bad news bear when it came to that. Yeah. She was supposed to hang out with that that weekend, kind of blew her off. But she also found out that Peggy was using again, and she was like, tell me where you're getting it from. Because not even because she wanted to yell at the guy, she wanted to use again. Ugh. Um, Peggy wouldn't tell her. Janice did some sleuthing, found the dealer, and bought her own stash. Also at the time, she was currently involved with some 21-year-old guy named Seth Morgan. He was supposed to be visiting that night, but instead he just called her and asked her for money. 
Apparently, Ugh. they were engaged to be married. What? But it clearly was another empty relationship that she was just using to fill the void, and he was just using her because she's Janice fucking she had Joplin, money. and she had money. Fuck And he's Seth. a 21-year-old, and he could get drugs and money and sex from her. Yep. Yeah, so fuck Seth. Fuck Seth. What might be most heartbreaking is that before she went to her room that night, she stopped and talked to the clerk at the hotel that she was staying in, and he was unaware that she had a letter in her mailbox from David stating how much he missed her and loved her and asking her to join him in Nepal that month. Oh. It was a letter that she never received. Oh. Thanks, clerk. <laughs> Bet your name's Chet. <laughs> Bad Chet. <laughs> Bad Chet. Around 1 a.m., Janice shot up under her skin instead of directly in the vein, which oh, delayed no. the effects of what was, unbeknownst to her, China white heroin. Something that's 40 to 50% pure as opposed to her usual 10% pure. Holy fuck. Yep. On top of that, I mean, her tolerance must have been low because she hadn't been using for yeah. a few months. It didn't happen immediately, but soon after injection, Janice felt the heroin hit and she collapsed off the side of her bed, hitting her face on the nightstand. The heroin had stopped her heart and lungs immediately. And unlike usually, there was no one there to revive her. Oh, fuck. It wasn't until Sunday evening, so this is like 18 hours later, Oh my god! when Paul Rothschild alerted others that Janice had not shown up for her recording that day, her room was checked and her body was found next to her bed. She had been dead for about 18 hours. Oh my god. The world was shook, especially as it was 16 days after the death of Jimi Hendrix, and Janice was another 27-year-old star who's just beginning to shine. Her parents held a private, a private funeral for their daughter, when she was cremated, her remains were scattered off the coast of Marin County. And I know that this seems all abrupt, but I feel like that's appropriate because that's really what this was. This was such an abrupt ending for her yeah. life because she wasn't like in the midst of a drunky bi- or a druggy binge. She was pretty clean by yeah. all accounts. And she seemed like she was. And it was just a fluke night. You know, we're, you know, you're 27, you think you're invincible, and she's like, I'm sad and lonely, I'm going to hit the thing that always makes me feel a little bit better, and it killed her. And she had nobody there to help her not be, excuse me, nobody there to not revive her, or to get her revived. Yeah, but like, also, don't ever shoot up alone. Don't shoot up, but don't shoot up alone. But also, like... I think she just thought, I can have a quick hit, it'll make me feel better, it'll help me sleep, it'll shut the voices up. She just had this eternal loneliness and this sadness, and she unfortunately went to drugs to solve this problem and didn't know how to solve it on her own, which, I mean, it happens. Yeah. And it's sad. And, like, you get a little frustrated with them, but you also, like, at some point, you're like, I don't know how much I can get mad at them. Yeah. It's just a... It's another one of those circumstances of just... It doesn't matter who you are. Death will take you whenever it feels like it's going to take you. It doesn't matter how old you are. Yeah. It doesn't matter if how famous you are, how much money you have. Yeah. Color, gender. None of that matters. You're going to die. You're going to die. However short her career, Janice's legacy lives on. She has inspired so many people from so many genres. From Robert Plant to Stevie Nicks to Florence Welch to Alicia Keys. And in her short career... She helped push open the door for women performers everywhere, proving they can be just as good and tough and smart as any man in the business. She inspired many with her flamboyant hairstyles, adding in scarves and feather boas. 
And fun side note, she helped normalize tattoos, especially for women. She had gotten a little heart done on her left breast and a band on her right wrist to replicate a bracelet she got with David in Rio. Huh. So she got, she was like one of the first women, at least celebrity women, to get tattoos. Good for her. Right? There's a lot to this woman's story, but I think the important thing to remember at the end of it all is that she may now seem larger than life, but truly she was a regular person just like you and me, even when she was famous. Her worries were those of love and searching for approval. Janice wore her heart on her sleeve, much to her detriment and her benefit. I think in addition to being influenced by her talents, let's also be influenced by her sense of empathy and humanity, because she's... At least the, her worldviews, maybe not the dr- definitely not the drug use, <laughs> but just the way that she looked at life of like open and free and accepting. More people need to be like that. Yeah, a little more artistic. Yeah, a little less judgmental. Seriously, and it's sad to think too because I think if she was still alive today, she could have done. She would have gone back into art. I think she would have done so much for the women's movement. Oh my god! And honestly, I think she'd become a producer, and she'd be a great yeah. producer. Yeah, I think she could have done so much. Yeah. So it's such a goddamn shame that she died, especially as young as she did. She could definitely have done so much and been so, like, I'm. She was still beneficial, you know, having died or not. Yeah to music in general but she could have been so much more beneficial to music history yeah i think she in so many different ways i think there are plenty of people from that era that mm-hmm. have kind of fallen from grace mm-hmm. i don't know if she would have she might because i think she's always kind of had a decent head on her shoulders again with the empathy she would have and had the her shit together worldviews yeah she would have had her shit really together. the drugs were just her downfall yeah and that is a lot of things of a combination of just this constant... I get it. Like, reading her story, I thought, yeah, fucking get it. I get the being bullied when you're a kid. I get the craving your parents' approval. I get the whole, I'm going to be something I'm not because it's going to make people and or my parents like me. Mm -hmm. I've done all of that shit. So I have... I didn't realize all these things about her. Now that I do, I'm like, fuck, I really appreciate Janis Joplin. Because she just goes... Extremely relatable. Yeah. Her story is so relatable to anybody. Yeah. Especially a misfit who's just like, I just want to express myself and have a good time. I'm sorry. I'm not an asshole. But now I have to deal with all these dicks. Too (laughs) many Way too many dicks. So many dicks in this fucking story. It's upsetting. Need more pussy. (laughs) Need more cats and kittens. <laughs> Less sticks, more cool cats and kittens. Oh, no. Anyway, so that's my story. Yay. Janis Joplin. Good job. Yay. It was a long one and a doozy, so thank you all so much for sticking through it. Hope you're still here. Yeah. If you're not, I don't know. Hopefully you listened enough so we get the count for the download. <laughs> Yay us. Mm. Or maybe if you listened through or you didn't listen through, I don't know if you're still here. And, and you're more interested in other things we have to talk about. We have a ton of other episodes. We do talk about the Grateful Dead, yeah. surprisingly. We talk about Jimi Hendrix. We have other subjects from this time. We'll have more, I'm sure. So go check them out on our website, www.rockcandypodcast.com. And you can comment on episodes, send us an email, get all the links for our social medias, the Instagram, Twitters, and the Facebook 
Maybe jump on iTunes. If you got iTunes, drop us a sweet The iTunes. Five-star <laughs> review. Yeah. We like those. We do. Those are nice. Those are very helpful to us. What else are you doing? Yeah, right? Again, guys, what else are you doing? Make an iTunes account. Go give us a five-star <laughs> review. And then just forget that you ever made one. Yeah, you can even give us five-star reviews on other things. Like Facebook. Oh, yeah. That's fine. That is fine. Or like, I think, what is it? Podbean, Bean Pod, Podbean, Podbean. Wow, you can do re- reviews on there. We are really grandmas. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I think you can do a Google review. I'm sure the Googles, the, Googles. the Jujels. Yeah, you can do a Jujel review. Or so. if you don't want to review us, but you still want to support us, you can go ahead and check out other podcasts on the Pantheon Network because mm-hmm. they're rad and they cover all sorts of these topics and slightly more professional than we do. So. <laughs> You might get a little more out of it. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, a little bit more professional. More profession, more more profesh, less dicks. Yeah, less dicks, more profesh. Yeah. Um, you can also head on over to patreon.com slash rockcandypodcast. You can give us the monies, please. Money, please. And we will give you stuff in return. Sweet swag. Sweet and swag. some bonus episodes. You're going to have a lot of bonus episodes in April because we lost track of what day it is <laughs> yeah we fucked up guys the roni's real the roni is real we don't have it but like it's real it is real the panic is real and if you are home every day like i am now you forget what day it is and you don't realize that your bonus episode for march is going to be released in april right? so you guys are just going to get some extra stuff in april yeah a lot we a lot feel bad stuff. sorry about that so there you yeah. go yeah so there you go so many options for you if you need more of that sweet, sweet content. Yes. Yeah. We have it. We got it. We'll give it to you. Oh, you're going to get it. Not for free. With consent. And with consent. <laughs> so that'll do it for this week, but tune in next week. We're not talking about a lady, but we're talking about something really fun Some that's deep and meaningful sexy, to our hearts. Sexy men. Oh, man. This episode has been. A long time coming. Oh, this episode's been a long time coming. And we can go for that. Yes, we can. Yes, can do. Thank you. (laughs) All right, we're going to go now. (laughs) Until next week, party on, Ashley. Party on, Maggie. Party on, you crazy kids out there. Bye, cool cats. And kittens. (laughs) Kitty linked a scratch. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? That's it.